Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the City of Hope Church podcast. We are in week seven of our small group series, and this week we're um, making the jump from part A of the book Kingdom Vision to part B, and part B is called the Renewal of the City. And so, really moving from part A, which is the way of Jesus, when we are living in the way of Jesus that should cause us, uh, should cause the love of Jesus to flow into the lives of those around us. And that's really what this is about. The next three chapters are going to talk about spiritual renewal, social renewal, and cultural renewal. And spiritual renewal is the uh, the foundation of, of all those. It's uh, It lays the bedrock for everything else to kind of build upon. So that's what we're going to be diving in today. Uh, and talking about and it's it's interesting clay because you know god could simply uh arrive and do what he he wants to do and he will one day but right now he chooses to bring the renewal through spirit empowered christians uh which is a really really big responsibility and and god's first and foremost uh thing is i mean he loves to bring about spiritual renewal renewal he loves to bring men and women women from death to life, as the book says here, from slavery to freedom, um, from being his enemy to his child. And I just want to read us a verse here to kick things off. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and he is proclaiming good news. And that's what this really this whole chapter is going to be about, Clay. It's, 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 the, it's the gospel message. It's being born again. It's being renewed. Um, so as we start the conversation, this chapter is really going to follow, uh, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And there are some questions that we're going to cover uh, throughout the, the chapter that the, the book's going to cover, but really it introduces this kind of interesting thing that we all have to wrestle with. And essentially Nicodemus was a well-educated person wrestling with the claims of Jesus. And that sounds a whole lot like a lot of people in the day that we live in. Um, and, and, and so what's your thoughts on that, Clay? Just, I mean, we live in a time where people are well-educated and that's what people are wrestling with is, is who is this Jesus guy? Who's, what's his authority and, and what's all this about? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different issues here. I think it's important as we begin, like you said, understand, understanding that God, God wants to transform the entire world, obviously. It says that he loved the world, he so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his only begotten son. So his intentions is to ultimately redeem all of the world so that the glory of God will, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But here's what's, here's, here's what's unique, and, and this is why he has it in this order of spiritual renewal, social renewal, and cultural renewal, is that it begins in individual human hearts. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think sometimes we like to jump the gun and make big things happen on a big level, but sometimes we forget that the gospel begins in individual human hearts. And when you start to see that happening more and more, then it spreads into social renewal. Yeah. Then it spreads into cultural renewal. But if you can't begin at that place where you're across the table with somebody sharing the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ with that one individual, you're never going to get to massive change. And and in our world today, we sort of get baited into having these debates on Facebook and social media, and we think somehow these big, large-scale debates will bring about transformation. And we're really just fooling ourselves and deceiving ourselves. If we Mm -hmm. want to see really large-scale transformation, we need to start to learn to live like Jesus did. He took 12 men and shared the gospel with them and then expanded from there. Yeah. And so if you can reach one person with the gospel and allow that to take root in a human heart and them experience spiritual renewal, that's the seedbed of real world transformation. Um, but uh, like you said here, you're talking about Nicodemus who comes with the all these questions, you know, and, and every time you get in a conversation with somebody, they're going to have different questions depending upon their background or they're, they're skeptical of whatever. Um, I've talked to people recently, you know, that have went through a lot of difficulties in their life and they have a hard time, uh, you know, saying, well, if, if God's out there and he's good, I just don't understand it. it doesn't right. make it. So they wrestle with that or, or, you know, they get into all of these conspiracy theories and they've been on TV and YouTube and TikTok and, and, and seen that, well, the Bible's this or the Bible's that. And I just don't know if it was really, if it's really God's word. And there's, so there's a million different things and you always have people with those questions that need, need to work through that. And so when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he comes in the same way. Mm-hmm. He recognizes there's something unique about Jesus. He said, look, the miracles that we've seen, right. if, you, if you've watched the Chosen movie, what he ends up in the Chosen movie, they portray it as if he, he has he's seen Mary Magdalene demonized, knows that she can't get any help, nobody can minister to her, but then she, he finds out. by talk, He sees her free, set free, transformed, and says, what's happened to you? Mm-hmm. And and she talks to him about now whether or not you have biblical grounding for that doesn't matter but I think the point stands true he experienced something that signified Jesus is doing something and this man there's something about this man he says we know you must have come from God because you could not have done these works well, you're you're a teacher from God is what mm-hmm. he is what he says he doesn't say we know you are God we know you are the Messiah he says okay I'm willing I'm willing to bet. That you're at least you're a teacher from God. We'll get we'll give you that, bro. Yeah. And and so he comes, but he's still wrestling with all of these questions. And you know, one of the th- big points that that they're making in the book is that Nicodemus is not just a Pharisee; he's a leader of Pharisees. Yeah. Uh, and they legitimately believe that the whole problem has been with Israel since the beginning is they just won't obey God. We mm-hmm. just can't get these people to obey God. So what do we need to do? If, if, if we believe according to, to, to the Old Testament scripture and prophets that God is going to come, and when he comes, he's going to overthrow Roman government, he's going to establish a new kingdom, he's going to vanquish all of his enemies, we have that biblical precedent. What's going to cause it to happen? Well, it's going to, it's going to happen when we obey God mm-hmm. because we've never been obedient. So the Pharisees, have, ever, the Pharisees get a bad rap, but they're doing the best they can with what they've got. What they know is we're in this covenant where we're supposed to obey God. So yeah. we need to try to get people to obey the Lord. And so they put laws in, and then they put laws upon laws. 
and laws upon laws just to establish anybody from even getting close and close to maybe breaking one of the laws. And they think maybe this is the way that we're going to pull it off. And so Nicodemus thinks that he's doing everything that he can possibly do to enter into the kingdom of God. And and so it, it says on page 122 specifically, uh, he asked these questions, as many skeptics and believers do alike, uh, is there a need for spiritual renewal? Is that what we actually need? How does that happen? And and then what is, what is the source of spiritual renewal and how can we join God in, in bringing spiritual renewal if that is uh, the case? And so I like this because, honestly, I've preached two different messages that I know of based on these categories, and I could preach more because within that time frame of Jesus' time, you had uh, different people who had different views of the kingdom of God and how it was going to come. Yeah. Like you had the zealots, uh, and Jesus even had Simon the zealot was one of Jesus' disciples. And so he's carrying around a dagger all the time and, and, you know, preparing for whipping hind end. And he's just waiting for the day that Jesus says, all right, boys, now's the time. And we just start slaughtering the Romans yeah. <laughs> and take over because that's his view of the kingdom. And it's funny because as I was reading through a lot of these, it's you can see similarities of, of similar mindsets yes. today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think your zealots today can come from both political sides, but in some regard, a zealot today is like, we need to take America back yeah. for the kingdom of God by any means necessary kind of yeah. thing. And, uh, and, and, and so they, they, it's more of a political vision of God's kingdom that we, if we can just get everybody to submit you know, to, to God's rule in this country, then we've got something going there. And then, and then he talks about the tax collectors, uh, were just the opportunists of the time. Um, they're unconcerned about bringing the kingdom because they're they want what they can get here. They want money. Yeah. Uh, the Essenes. Um, these are people in my mind that kind of kind of just disconnect. They're like, you know what? Nothing's good in the world. So best thing that we can do is just go over here and wait somewhere in a corner, mm-hmm. and let's just disconnect completely from anything that's going on in culture because the world's wicked, and let's maintain our own holy community. And I mean, you see some of that today in our world. You see um, people that function in uh, in ways like um, the uh, the Mennonites or, or different groups that just say we're disconnecting, we're moving over here, we don't want any part of that. Yeah, and that can happen on a personal level as well. Uh, the Sadducees are almost more like, like to me, the Pharisees would be your modern-day right-wing political pit folks trying to maintain conservative values and standards, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the Sadducees were willing to compromise in order to rub shoulders a little bit with the, uh, with, with the Roman government yeah. and, and, and get more involved in that. Um, but they wanted God's kingdom to come but didn't think it would happen anytime soon or without divine intervention, so they needed to make peace with the Roman Empire. And, and, and you see those types of different groups. Uh, but So Nicodemus comes with all of these different mind, mindsets and possible visions of, of how the kingdom's coming, and, uh, and Jesus talks to him about being born again. Yeah, which and, is a crazy response to all that qu- the questions, you know. Yeah, and it, and it threw him for a loop. I mean, and I'm not sure uh, how people how people even view being born again nowadays. Like when they, whenever they hear that language, I think maybe your average Christian because it's a in, a in the American church uh, in the Bible Belt, born again is an often used phrase. Uh, 
but sometimes we may forget the necessity of it or, or, or what it what it means. But one of the things that he's trying to point out is that spiritual birth or spiritual renewal has to happen before any large scale change happens whatsoever. You're not going like like if people come into marriage counseling and they say, "Man, I just need my I need my family to get better." Mm-hmm. Well, odds are, you know, I mean, like maybe you're all are saved, and then and then you need to grow in discipleship and spiritual growth and stuff like that in your relationship with God. But if you got people in there that aren't saved, before you're going to experience any real lasting, legitimate transformation that isn't just surface level, you know, you need spiritual renewal. Yeah. And so what he's arguing is, look, this is something just like physical birth that you can't do to yourself, but it must be done to you mm-hmm. and military might or politics or, or more money or human power or a greater education or religious observances. It's not going to get you into God's kingdom and into his presence. No matter how hard you fight, this isn't going, it's not going to be the answer. Only being born again uh, can make that happen. And you are powerless to save yourselves and you cannot get this together enough. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't. You need something that happens to you from above. Yeah, it turned everything he he knew and thought kind of on its head. Because I like how it talks about it too. Because it's essentially saying, you know, Nicodemus is now wrestling with this response of, well, how does a person start over? Mm-hmm. And you know, being born again—that's essentially what you're being, you're wrestling with. Not only are you um, adding to but now it's like, okay, now I must restart from the beginning. I'm, you know, how do you move from a place where you've gathered all of these beliefs, all of these systems, you think with everything in you, you're doing your absolute best even to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's like now, n- you know, now we must be born born again. We, ha- I have to restart. Yeah. Uh, and it's not based on anything that I've thought before because before I've just been doing – what I can do, I've been trying my hardest. I've been, you know, really trying to get things together. You know, it's, uh, and, and that's, and we live in a world and a culture where, you know, self-effort and like work is really celebrated. And we've talked in, in great detail about all that, but it's like, you know, it's not necessarily the harder, harder I try, you yeah. know, it's, it's abandoning that mindset to really put your entire, and, and the book goes on later to say, we have to get into a mindset and a posture of receiving mm-hmm. something rather than just continuing to do something. And from that receiving, it begins a process of transformation. But a lot of us miss that, I feel like. Well, yeah, we, we miss the gospel entirely. Almost the vast majority of people that I talk to about Jesus, or if I ask them if you're a Christian, it, it, they immediately flip into this thing of, you know, well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm working on being a better person as, as if that's what it means to be a Christian. Like somehow you're, you're, you're working on this or you're making this better. Or you're fixing that in particular in this thing. And maybe then you'll, you'll be accepted as a Christian mm-hmm. and it's the opposite. And I think that's so important is, is, is understanding what grace is, for example, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that's the gift of God. Mm-hmm. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, lest anyone should be able to come and say, "Hey, look at what I've done." Jesus loves me now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no. Jesus, God demonstrates His love to us in this: that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for the ungodly, pursued us, chased us down while we were running from him in a dark, wooded, lonely area. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we fall down and turn around and he picks us up and we say, oh, I found Jesus. No, no, he came after you. Yeah. And, and, and this is, grace is by definition something that you cannot earn, something that you do not deserve. It is a free gift given to you, which you must receive. And upon receiving it, we believe biblically that that if we if we come into this place where the Holy Spirit is drawing us, and 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 the Holy Spirit puts faith in our hearts, and we believe Jesus Christ came, He is the Son of God. He died for me on that cross to bear my sin because I cannot save myself. Yeah. And I recognize that I am a sinner because of the law of God, and I see it clearly. I've broken it. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve punishment. But he came because he loved me and took my place. And not only that, he defeated death and was raised again from the dead to give me the promise and hope of eternal life that I will get to live forever. And one day he's going to vanquish all enemies, death, sickness, sin, hell, everything, Satan. And I believe in that. And I, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. The Holy Spirit does something on the inside of us. Mm-hmm. And it's a free gift. Nothing that we could do. We can't change ourselves. We don't even earn that. We simply believe. And the Holy Spirit regenerates our dead spirits. Yeah. And breathes new life into us and raises our... See, before you're physically raised from the dead, you're spiritually raised from the dead. First the spirit, then the physical. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's where it begins. Um but, you know, there's there's this written here in the, uh, the the quote on the bottom of page 125. It says, Jesus' word regarding the new birth shatters once and for all every supposed excellence of man's attainment, all merit of human deeds, all prerogatives of natural birth or station. Spiritual birth is something one undergoes, not something he produced. As our efforts had nothing to do with our natural conception and birth, so in an analogous way, but on a far higher plan, regeneration is not a work of ours. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I made this statement earlier in the year. Like I, I believe more and more that salvation is a direction we're headed, and not a line we cross. Yeah. But I will say this: I believe that regeneration and justification, in a sense, is that initial line that we do cross. Yeah. But yeah. then from that line you're heading in a direction. Yeah. And so sometimes we get it messed up because we want everything, we want all the sin to be taken away and everybody to be living right, right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, see, you don't have to live right, be living right, right out of the gate to earn this salvation. You just have to turn to Jesus, recognize the condition of your soul, repent in heart and mind, and then and believe in Christ, and he justifies you, and he gives you a new spirit and that new spirit now is is the seedbed from which transformation can grow. Yeah. And but it starts with I'm a new creation. Yeah. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, yeah, but yesterday you were this, that, and the other thing, and didn't even believe. What are you doing to deserve this? I don't deserve it. Yeah. But Jesus didn't deserve to go to the cross either. And now there's been an exchange, and I'm a new creation, and I'm justified, and I'm born again. Yeah. And from that place of new spiritual birth, I can actually begin to see the fruit of salvation born in my life through all that. Yeah. This is a this is a big thing too. I mean, it really is. Like, I've had several conversations. Even, even with my dad, it's so beautiful right now because I can I can see the Lord starting to answer some prayers that's been prayed for a long time and see the Lord doing a work in his heart because we had had conversations before, and he would even— and I actually talked to him about this yesterday morning. 
um, there was a time where he said, you know, son, I just, I need to clean some things up and then, you know, yeah. I'll try to get in church. Yeah. Right. And then we had that conversation yesterday morning and I, and, and he was like, you know, and I made that statement, you know, a lot of people that's unfortunate, that's their thought that they got to have it all together. And then his, his response to me was, we just can't, we, we can't do it on our own. Yeah. And so you see this and that's, and, and that's a, when you get to that place, that's where real things can happen. When you realize, I mean, it's even they they pose this question here on one twenty six. You come face to face with is you know Jesus God, and you realize that hey, I need Him. It's only through His power mm-hmm. and what He's done for me that I can like He has this life for me. I can be different. Yeah. But I cannot do it on my own. Yeah, and I can't bring anything to him. Everything that I ever yeah. bring to him is is rotten, dirty, yeah. filthy trash rags. Yeah. My righteousness is no good before him. I don't want my righteousness. Yeah. You know, you were talking earlier about about Nicodemus like having to having to be willing to let go of all this stuff and all and start over. Look at the apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, even more so than Nicodemus, as zealous as anybody could be for the law, he said. But what things were gained to him, he basically, he said, I, I count them all loss. He said, they are nothing more than dung. He said, everything that I want, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, according to the law, blameless. I mean, imagine saying that. Like, I did everything the Bible said. <laughs> like, like I, you know, I'm the closest thing to Jesus that there was. Like, I might have been a sin in there, here, or there, but I pretty much held the yeah. law down. I mean, I did yeah. everything that needed to be done for my sin. I did all the ceremonial rites. He said, every bit of that, I counted it dung. Yeah. Why? So that I might know Christ and, and that I might have a righteousness that is not my own. It's not based on what I've earned or deserved, but it's something that I boast in the fact that any righteousness that I have is that which is imputed to me by which what Christ has done on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So even when you have your best day and you're awesome and you do everything right, you still, at the end of the day, say, you know what? I stand by the righteousness of Christ yeah. alone. And then when you have your worst day, guess what? You say, guess what? I still stand by the righteousness of Christ alone. That's right. It's not based on my good days or my bad days, but who Jesus is and what He's done for me, and that's and that's that's so special. So and there's there's freedom there. Yes, there's uh, the weight and the shame and the guilt and everything else. There's a it gives you a you, I mean you you phrased it like that before, but it's a it's a launch pad from there. You yes, know, it's a, when when you have that to fall down on. Yes. That, I mean, that's that's something. Rather than when you realize that yes, I yes, I'm I'm going to fall, but I fall on the God, soft the, pillow the, the, of justification. Yeah, justification, <laughs> yeah, it's it's His work, and then and then I and then I'm not now unborn again. I still have a spirit that has been created in righteousness and true holiness, from which I can still grow. Yeah. Oh, but you sinned. Well, guess what? The blood still works. I can be cleansed. I am yeah. cleansed. And, 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 and you just, you continue to move on in that area. But, um, you know, we, we do, we still, that, that's probably the biggest issue is that it's hard to cross that line of, okay, I'm saved. I'm justified. I'm a new creation in Christ. And then two weeks later, I see a lot of my old nature cropping up. Yeah. And then it tries to tell me, dude, you ain't saved. You ain't even, ch- nothing's changing. You still have anger issues, or you still have this issue, or you still got lust, or you still got that. 
and and that that's the thing we still carry our old selves into that new reality and we have to continue to put off the old man and put on the new mm-hmm. but the foundation part is is still the same jesus tells him that you must be born of water and the spirit and he's actually uh bringing up an old testament passage from Ezekiel 36 on page 129, it, it, it reads it here. I, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness, and from, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, the human being is a three-part being, body, soul, spirit. And before you're born again, it says you're dead in trespasses and sins. And so you've walked according to the lusts and the desires of both the flesh or the body. The flesh is really really about mind and body cut off from God is really what flesh is. But but the body left to itself is is flesh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we, we walked according to the desires of our flesh, the mind and the body cut off from God. But guess what? When we come to Christ, our spirit that was dead had no life, now has new life. It comes alive. And from there, we have a relationship with God, which begins to tell us the thoughts to think, the emotions to feel, Mm -hmm. the direction we ought to head, the decisions we ought to make, which then causes the body and its and its passions to submit to the power of the spirit as we grow but it comes from that place of new birth within and now we're not under shame because we've been cleansed he's cleansed away our own all our idols like you say so many times he's now changed our want to's mm-hmm. because now the dead heart that we had we have a new heart that ha- has new desires yeah there's new things on the inside there's still a war going on between the flesh and the spirit but we're born again and we now have a new nature a new heart a new spirit and uh in ezekiel 37 you know it's the valley of dry bones if you read it Mm. and and god says to ezekiel hey ezekiel prophesy to the wind and and when he says prophesy to the wind it's the ruach and Jesus is using the same language about the spirit. The wind moves where he wishes. You know, he, go, he goes here or there. You don't, you don't know where he's going. But he's talking about being born of the spirit, being born of the wind, essentially. And he says, prophesy to the wind. And, 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 he, and he speaks. And he says he wants it to come and give life to these bones again. And the ruach or the wind responds to the words of the prophets to the prophet and feels the dry bones raising them to life again the lord then tells the prophet regarding uh the resurrected valley of bones my people i am going to open your graves and bring you up from them that's new life resurrection life i will bring you back to the land of israel then you my people will know that i'm the lord when i open your graves and bring you up from them i will put my spirit in you and you will live and i will settle you in your own land and so Jesus is, is trying to bring him to this place where he recognizes, hey, as good as you're doing, Nicodemus, you re- need to realize you're dead and you're unclean and you can't resurrect and clean yourself. You need to ask the Spirit of God to do it for you. Yeah, and what a beautiful picture. Yeah. And that's what I see in both of, in Ezekiel 36 and 37 is I will, I will, I will. I will it's God's I work. Will. Over, over, over again. It's God's work in you. Yeah. It's, you. You say yes to it. You receive it. And he begins that process in you. It's yeah. his power. 
Yeah, and that's, you know, like you said, G- Nicodemus thinks that he knows what the spiritual life looks like. It's self-righteousness. It's me adhering to all these laws. Uh, but Jesus says, no, I'm actually the one that knows how to get into the kingdom of heaven. You know why? Because I'm the one who descended from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I know how to access this, and I know how to get into God's kingdom. People will say all the time, well, you know, I'm not really religious, but I'm spiritual. And and I've heard people say that even in, in like, if you, if you give an invitation to church, you know, well, I just, I, I believe I'm spiritual. Well, that's great. What's that mean? Because, because you know, apart from Christ, your spirit's dead. You yeah. can be as spiritual as you want to. You can you can get involved in Eastern religion or, or whatever else, but but you are deeply sinful and dead apart from Christ, and He's the only one that can bring us this this new life. Yeah. And um, you know, He says something really interesting uh, in Numbers twenty one. I've preached that. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because, like in John chapter three, if you read, um, He references it. And he says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember in, number, in back in that chapter, Numbers 21, um, there God has lifted the hedge of protection around them because they've been complaining, they've entered into unbelief. Yeah. And because of it, the hedge of protection is lifted. And, and these serpents come in, these fiery serpents come in and bite them all, and they're dying, which is represents it's a biblical symbol of the fact that in the beginning we didn't believe god in what he said hey don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the serpent came in fed us a lie we ate that lie we believed that lie we begin to complain against god in a sense and guess what we were bitten by that venom and what did that venom bring sin and death yeah and so they were bitten and infected by that venom. It's a representative of it. But he says, you know what, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a bronze pole, make a serpent out of it, put it up on a pole. And bronze represents judgment. They had the bronze laver where they would offer sacrifices, etc. And so what you need to understand, so he says, as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And it says, when he put the serpent up, as many as looked at the serpent lived. That's all they did. They didn't have to do anything else. They looked at it, and they saw it, and when they saw it, they were all completely healed. In the same way, Jesus became that bronze serpent. He took on the judgment of everything that came through sin and the works of Satan. On the cross, all the sin of the world, all of the works of Satan were placed on Christ. He was lifted up bearing the weight of that penalty and punishment and and in doing so offering us the righteousness, the salvation, the healing, mm-hmm. the life, and the resurrection that only he really deserved. And he says it's, a, it's, it's really salvation by grace through faith. You just look and you live. You see what Jesus has done. You receive that free gift, yeah. and spiritual renewal happens in your heart. It's a miracle. And sometimes in our own flesh, fleshy-type mind, we're like, I don't get that. That don't make sense. we got to yeah. do something. Yeah. And, here, and here's the thing. You do have to do something in your participation as you grow in, in your salvation and as, as you grow in spiritual growth. But, but how you receive this gift is by faith alone, through mm-hmm. grace alone, right? And so, or by grace alone, through faith alone, but... Yeah, it's it's what he talks about. They didn't they didn't go put salve on the snake bites. They didn't you know eat the right uh, medicines or do this or that. It's those who looked on with faith 
upon that bronze serpent yes. were saved. Yes. And in the same way, that's what we do. He's we the, look at we look to Jesus. He's the antidote to our spiritual disease. Yeah. And we can fix a lot of things. Maybe we feel like externally, but ultimately, the only thing that's going to fix our spiritual uh, condition is, is Christ Himself and what He's done. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think most people understand uh, this to a large degree, f- for some, eh, for the most part. But the question is, is, is if we're talking about spiritual renewal, how does how does it spread? How do we see spiritual renewal spread and impact a society? Uh, and how can we join God in bringing uh, spiritual renewal? And, 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 you know, one of the things that he says is, is we start thinking about what a society would look like if everyone was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And we can fall into the trap of institutionalizing spiritual renewal. Yeah. And, I mean, I think sometimes we can pull out big political guns and start trying to force Christianity on people and force Christian morality on people. And that's not what saves people. No. That's not what brings spiritual renewal. I'm all for America being more Christ-like. I'm all for the care. I, I, I would look, prefer to have Christian people in, in public office. Ain't no question. But sometimes the weapons we use are more flesh than they are spirit. Yeah. And that's what Jesus even says in John chapter 3. That which is born of flesh, produ- you know, it. That flesh we, produces yes, flesh. Yes, flesh produces flesh. Spirit produces spirit. And what we need is spiritual renewal, not just not not something that we impose by our own, uh, you know, zealous will. Uh, yeah, but, but in order for ex, ex, the externals to happen, it starts internal. Mm-hmm. And that's what he says here. External change does not lead to internal change. Internal change, spiritual rebirth, through the work of the Spirit is what must come first. Yes. So it starts internally. And, and, and like you said, yeah, we'd, I'd love to see our country, you know, with uh, externally, you know, showing all the right things. But in order for that to happen, it has to start internally. Yeah, if the church would get, like, very serious, I think, globally about making disciples whose number one thing is 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 winning somebody to Jesus. Yeah. Then, then man, we could we'd see we would see social renewal and we would see cultural renewal. Yeah. But instead, we see more and more people hollering about what should people should be doing or not doing, as opposed to loving them and sharing the gospel with them plainly. Mm-hmm. And and because so many and because here's the thing, people are confused. They you'd be amazed at how many people have not heard the gospel clearly articulated yeah. and experienced the love of Jesus. Like we just go around assuming that everybody's heard it and everybody knows and everybody's experienced the love of God and the truth is they have not, man. Yeah. And and they need the church, the people of God on, on an individual basis, uh, to do that and, and to do that in their life. And he says no amount of government power or coercive legislation or moral education can change people from being selfish to being sacrificial. Mm-hmm. When we demand people change in their own strength, flesh will just keep giving birth to flesh, yep. and you'll actually get people angry at you more and more. Dallas Willard, I love this book. I always love when how these guys read the books that I read. Uh, but <laughs> Reno- Renovation of the Heart, uh, he says, The Revolution of, of Jesus is first and always a revolution of the human heart. His revolution does not proceed through the means of social institutions and laws, the outer forms of our existence, intending that these would then impose a good order of life upon people who come under their power. 
Rather, his is a revolution of character, which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship with God and one another. It is a revolution that changes people's ideas, beliefs, feelings, and habits of choice, as well as their bodily tendencies and social relations. It penetrates to the deepest layers of their soul. External social arrangements may be useful to this end, but they are not the end, nor are they a fundamental part of the means. You can't sum it up no better than that. No, that's that's really strong. Um, but he so so he says this is why Jesus's ministry was primarily about announcing God's kingdom and offering people salvation and new life through Him. So if we talk about that, you know, on page one thirty nine, kind of summing this up, he's going to move into this part of 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 how he's invited us all to join in God's work of spiritual renewal. Because he commanded us to pray and go. Yeah. The harvest is plentiful, yeah. but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And and then he says spiritual renewal happens in four stages. It happens individually with families and communities and then in our cities and ultimately uh, to the world. You know, I think I read this earlier. I was telling you this, Jeremy, like I, we, I got up this morning and I was reading this and I was thinking about, um, you know, it even says in one place here that God, he, he, he delights in our worship and our prayer gatherings. Mm-hmm. But you still got to always remember that Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. Yeah. And so you and I were, we were in here today and, and I was sitting here, I had read that, I'd prayed about it and there's a guy in here from from the jail and and he's sitting in there we're in the same room he's doing a little work i'm working on a little something and it's just like the lord just brought that to my heart and said what if this is my one today Hmm. and i and i so i so i started talking to him and i struck up a conversation i said you know are you are you a christian and and uh, he he said no i'm not and and, uh and we just we just got into conversation and i said i said well why not you know what's holding you back and and you know he just he started opening up about stuff he'd been through, like losing people in his life, his house mm-hmm. burning down, and then getting involved in drugs a little bit, and getting caught with with, with that, and that, you know that's why he's been in jail. And you can just tell he's got a lot of pain in his heart, and mm-hmm. and and one of his big issues is is just the fact that you know I just have a struggle with with if if God is out there and he's authoritative, you know, and he is really God. Why has he let this stuff happen? Yeah, you know why am I in the in the situation that I'm in? And so, man, I, first off, I, I shared with him my testimony where I was at, the stuff I went to, and how Jesus came into my life, and and I had an encounter with him where everything changed, and he, he loved me and my sin and set me free from it, and I went through all that. But then I just talked to him about the brokenness of our world mm. and the hope of eternal life that that you know that when God created this world. Jesus demonstrated fully that sickness, sin, death was never a part of his original plan. That's why he raised people from the dead. He healed the sick. And then ultimately he went to the cross because he wanted us to know that he's in here with us in our suffering. When we suffer, he suffers. But we are a part of a broken world in which free will exists and it's been contaminated. But the hope is that Jesus will give us a new life and a new birth now Mm -hmm. and forgive us of our sin and give us new life and demonstrate to us how much he loves us. But see, the hope is is that this life is not the end. 
Yeah. That that there's one day when he's coming back and he's going to raise the dead bodies from the ground and he's going to wipe every tear from our eye and everything that we've went through that is that has hurt us and broken us will one day make sense because the evil that you see in the world is not God's doing. That's the devil's doing and that's fallen humanity's doing and Jesus has come to set those things right. We do not see all things set right yet but he's demonstrated that he's going to do it because he came and died for our sin and all of our brokenness on the cross and he was raised again on on the third day and even the people who loved Jesus most His apostles, the people who followed him and knew him, they saw their families be put to death. They were crucified upside down, but they would not renounce Jesus because they knew that what he said was true and that one day he will make all things right. Our hope goes far beyond what we experience in this life. Yeah, it's good. But he will heal us here, but he will heal all things in there. Yeah. And and so that's what we look forward to. And so I got done with that and I said, Man, I just he said he said, This is kinda crazy just to think about it. And see my assumption is, well, this dude's at the jail, he probably hears the gospel all the time. But for him it was like a moment and he said you know, you got to at least pay attention to moments like this. Like, maybe I'm sent here for this reason, so you could say this to me today. And I said, buddy, I was sitting over there standing, not thinking a thought about it. And I felt like the Lord said in my heart that he leaves the 99 to go after the one, and today you're his one. Mm. And, dude, he teared up. That's uh, powerful, <laughs> and, we, and we prayed. Yeah. And so we got to be sensitive to that. Yeah. Because one person that goes through spiritual renewal it can spread from the individual into their families. Yeah. And then once families begin to experience the love of God and it starts to spread, it impacts a, a church. It impacts then a city. And then, man, we start to actually get so possessed by this truth and this reality that we feel like we need to take it to the entire world. Yeah. And that's where we're heading. That's where we've got to go. The the harvest is ripe. Yeah, and that I tell you, man, if that's one thing that um that I have just fully experienced in the most real way. This process he ends with here talking about individual families, communities, cities in the world. Like I've I've saw that process in myself over the, the, the past few years, um, kind of working in me and then it's it's slowly changing my family. And I yeah. can see fruit of that now. Yeah. And in the communities that I'm involved in, in this church, in our small groups even. See, that's what I'm talking This is more than just a church program, man. Yeah. It's not just like a, you know, quote-unquote small group or a, a nice thing to be. Like, this is re- this is what mm-hmm. happens. You see real transformation and life happening. And I can see it with my own eyes and myself, my family, and the communities I am. And now, and, and you see it in our church and like our, our, our heart and where the Lord's leading us. And, and we, we do have that, that heart to take it to our community and to take yeah. it to, you know, essentially the rest of the world. But it's, um, man, you can just, you can, I can, when I read this the first time, I, I could, it's so cool to look back and see that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And, and how it can completely transform and and like you said you know clay this guy that could be that's him individually but man his kids grandkids like generations changed yeah because of jesus because what he did and to realize how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and you can have this same thing and that that's been on my heart the past few days man is there's just like i i really just feel that there are people out there who just are man they're hungry for truth 
they're broken they've tried what this world's got man and they yeah. just and and they they maybe they know to a degree maybe they don't at all but uh and that's that's what we i mean that pray and go i mean yeah. we are god is using us it goes back to the first of the chapter he's empowering us as yeah. christians to tell people of this good news yeah. that this this life you can experience you can have you can have salvation and forgiveness and and purpose and deliverance and transformation and freedom and joy and you can live this life how it's meant to be lived here in fullness and then like you said man then we got you know and that he talks about that too like um you know in terms of salvation and eternally and everything it's not just like quantity of life but it's quality of life yeah like one day it is eternal you know quantity mm-hmm. it's going it's to keep going but also it's man it's good yeah it gets it's better good. here too and and i mean i think that's the main takeaway is if you've experienced this spiritual renewal in your own heart thank god that you're a christian and that you you love your family and that you come to church on sundays and that you're in a small group and you listen to podcasts but now the Lord is saying, I need you to yeah. pray and I need you to go into mm-hmm. the harvest and I need you to find individuals that you can share this with so that I can plant my seed in their hearts yeah. and do a work because that's where that's how you're going to experience social renewal in your city and cultural renewal in the world. And if this gets in the heart of every believer in the Christian church, I mean, we will see massive transformation in the world. Yeah. But he's just looking for you to go after the one. You don't have to change the world overnight. If you yeah. just go for the one this week, if you can just go for the one, you'll do the Lord's will. Amen, Clay. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next one.